Welcome back to the Bracketologist Podcast. I'm back. I'm your host, Ben Walnick. I'm back is coming from Dakota German, one of our creatives here at Let It Fly Media. We have a podcast today that is near and dear to my heart. Same. As a former meteorologist and maybe the movie that kind of pushed me in that direction, not totally, I still liked weather before it, but the movie Twister that came out in 1996, we're going through 12 movie scenes from the movie Twister to find the best movie scene in the movie Twister. Dakota, are you ready for this? I'm super ready for this. So again, if this is your first time joining us, it is Dakota's job to convince me of his argument. I, as the bracketologist, will ultimately choose which scene moves on. We've done a little bit of maneuvering with the seating, trying to keep it as close to what is I actually feel the best movie scenes are, but also kind of pairing some scenes together that are back-to-back so that we can walk through this movie from start to finish. So starting at the beginning of the movie, we're going to start with our eight seed versus our nine seed, which is our eight seed, Meet the Crew, which is about seven minutes into the movie, versus our nine seed, 1969 F5 tornado that starts the movie when Joe tragically loses her father. Tell me, what do you think about these two scenes? Uh, well, I want to start with the 1965 F5 first. Um, this scene is comically inaccurate, uh, which a lot of the parts of the movie are, and we'll get to them, but uh, this scene in particular is just ridiculous. Like, I, I want to start with just the dialogue starts ridiculous because the dad is constantly giving directions to the mom as she is already doing those things. It's like, grab Joe, honey. She's got her in his arm. She's carrying her. <laughs> we got to get to the storm cellar. And grab Joe, honey. She's carrying her. Give me Joe, honey. Now take Joe, honey. Uh, you hear that at least six times. I, I count. I didn't count. But there's also there's definitely some meteorology things that are wrong with this scene. Yeah. One, they say on TV it's an F5. The Fujita scale that is the F0 through F5 didn't even get invented until 1971 after this tornado had happened. Also, radar was not used on television until 1973. The first person to use it was Gary England, who was on television in that movie scene, famous meteorologist from Oklahoma City. But radar was not used on TV, so that they jumped time there. That is a great factoid. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, That's where I bring my expertise. Dropping some knowledge. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I think the biggest problem with this scene, which everyone probably identifies upon watching, he's holding on to a door while an F5 tornado is outside, and he's yelling, I can't hold it. <laughs> and uh, movie fact, they actually strapped him to the door. So he actually got pulled away. That's not any CG because 90s, you know? Yeah. Um, and, okay, so if you can't hold it physics-wise – but the twister still pulls you out with the door. And then also three, your family's safe. Totally fine. Yeah, just stay in the back of the storm cellar. Is what, that not what are the you doing? place? Yeah. I literally wrote down, W-Y-D, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, it just, like, that's the reason you have a shelter. You don't need to hold on to this old rickety wooden door. Um, so, I mean, sense. great action scene. One quick thing, when I went through and did some of the original seating, I kind of put in some categories here so I could try to rank these. Accuracy and realism with meteorology is one. Uh, common sense from characters is a second category. Importance to the plot of the movie, the acting, great lines, the action, and then I kind of totaled all those to get what my best scenes were. So these both fell towards the back of the pack, kind of middle of the pack. Um, the action in the F5 scene is is great. Um, but the common sense and realism brought this down. Whereas <laughs> yeah. the meet the crew scene is also really important to the plot because you're getting introduced to all the characters. 
there's not really any action, but you've got some great lines as you're meeting some of the characters. Oh, and I, I really, really enjoy this scene getting to meet, you know, we're going to talk about Dusty a lot. Yeah, dude, I think this scene does the most for Dusty. I think his character is established so well straight from the start. He is weird. He's saying so many strange things, and he is just honestly hilarious throughout the whole movie. I mean, we get introduced to the suck zone in this scene. <laughs> Yeah, that's where the suck zone is. Got to avoid the suck zone. And then, um, I don't know. There's some things with that scene I have a few problems with, which, uh, as we talked about even before this, that I probably am just overthinking it. Like, there's a specific shot where Helen Hunt's character, Joe, takes the ring off of her one hand and then puts it to hide it mm -hmm. on another ring. And it's just like, it's not a very good plan. Just take the ring off if you're trying to hide it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Some things just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I do want to drop one fun fact, though. So Bill Paxton, his character is named Bill Harding. Yeah, well, and just also, maybe we'll have a breakout about this a little bit later, but Bill Paxton, just oh. one of one of the best. I miss him. Great actor in a lot of great movies. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever be listed as, like, maybe Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or yeah. any of the other Toms level, but still amazing actor and has... Lots of lines, which uh, leads me to my point. Uh, Bill Paxton beat out several amazing actors for this role. Yeah, uh, some of them actually just didn't make it through. It's so, like I don't think the director wanted them, or like Tom Hanks uh, was on this list, and he probably just didn't want to do it eventually. But here's the list: Tom Hanks, Kurt Russell, Michael Keaton, Kevin Costner, Richard Gro Greer, uh, John Travolta, Mel Gibson, Dennis Quaid, Pierce Brosnan, Bruce Willis, and Bill Pullman. So I think. Dennis Quaid would have been great. I could see Dennis Quaid. Um, I think Kurt Russell would have been great. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some people on that list. It would have been different movies, but I I would have enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, Michael Keaton also probably could have fit, but um, it's just crazy. There's We could deep dive on every single scene, but yeah. so when we're talking about our eight versus our nine seed. What would you pick between Meet the Crew, which is the first scene in current times, versus the only flashback scene in 1969, the F5 tornado? I got to go with Meet the Crew. That's, I think so, too. It's... Look, the the lines you get from Dusty, the the rabbit, uh, don't don't fold the maps, roll yeah. the maps. Like I just <laughs> I just love it all. Um, and you know you're meeting these characters that you get to spend the rest of the movie with, and you're you're immediately invested in them because of that scene. Yeah. Um, there's other things we could get nitpicky with. Oh, yeah. The radar they're using on top of the truck is like literally like it's like a boat radar. Like it would <laughs> they would not be seeing anything. They're talking about the shit. Okay, one thing. The, the only other girl other than Joe that runs in and says, the cap's breaking. The NSSL says that the storm's towers are going up 30 miles down the line or whatever. Okay, so a little meteorology thing. The cap breaking means that storms are starting to develop. They start that scene looking at a giant storm in the distance, yeah. shooting it with the radar. So the cap has clearly already broken. <laughs> so it made absolutely no sense that they said that. That's a little specific on meteorology stuff, but that's why I'm here as the meteorologist expert yeah. on the podcast. Let's get to our uh, – so we're going to have to jump around a little bit on what we typically do on the bracket. So definitely check out on the Bracketologist's Instagram so you can follow along on what the actual seedings are. We're going to jump across to – our seven seed versus the 10 seed, which is Twister number one versus the gas station scene. So the gas station scene basically starts from when they're driving and they see Jonas Miller and they lose the tire through the end of the gas station, whereas Twister one starts after Bill and Joe stop fighting and they actually chase that tornado through the wreckage of it. So... Lots of stuff going on in this one. 
What do you think? We'll start with the gas station scene. That's our 10 seed because that happens first chronologically. Uh, some great lines. <laughs> What's your malfunction, man? <laughs> Dude, I love Bill Paxton's voice in this. Uh, all the one-liners in this movie are yeah. honestly gold. Like, if you watch this movie, you're going to see that there's just a million one-liners in this that are amazing for a movie that never really blew up but was mm -hmm. also really good. Yeah. Um, I love the gas station scene. <laughs> Everything about it's crazy. Um, like the onboard pull stopper. Next rad real time. <laughs> like when he's talking about the dot three. Yeah. He went out and found some corporate sponsors. <laughs> um, and then uh, was it the the days of sniffing the dirt are over? And someone in the background goes better than what you're sniffing. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, gas station scene is great. Um, one thing from the gas station scene, it's when uh, Bill Paxton, he has his, his sixth sense of uh, the oh, tornadoes yeah. where he's like feeling the dirt and he drops the dirt and he looks out and he sees the green. Dusty walks up and he's like, going green. Going green. We're green. going green, baby. Greenage. Dude, please. Saddle up. Please tell me that you have these exact same instincts, Ben. You can I look do. at the storm. You can hold the ground and just like, oh, yeah, the storm's going green, baby. Um, and I'll tell you this, green doesn't mean tornado. Green means, uh, actually, it is the sunlight reflecting through the storm through hailstones. Oh. This is what creates that color. Um, so it does mean a severe storm, usually, um, but does not mean tornado. So <laughs> drop in some knowledge. Let's go to Twister 1, which is what the gas station is going up against. Um, so basically, once they casually say, uh, I'm just wondering if we're going to chase this tornado to stop the fight through... The wreckage of Joe's car getting trashed and Dorothy Dorothy one getting flipped over and destroyed. Um, fantastic! I, I want to hear. I think you might have some, maybe some digital, uh, like special effects about because that first tornado looked violent. Yes, uh, which actually you should if you watch this movie again, which is it's on Netflix, which kind of brought up why we're even doing this one right now. Mm -hmm. Is uh, the VFX in this movie still hold up extremely well today? Yeah. Um, and they were all done in the 90s when all of this stuff was being pioneered and it's really a feat for all these artists with what they did. And uh, there's a great uh, YouTube video on it by Corridor Digital. Uh, they do a whole bunch of VFX breakdowns from famous movies and they did one on Twister. And uh, they break down how uh, the... There's, so there's like people that had to do like particle systems, which is really easy today. Like anyone could do these tornadoes on their laptop today. Mm -hmm. But it's like back then it was like crashing computers and like they had to do little sprites with puffs of cloud to simulate the tornado and all the spin. And then uh, the director, uh, Jan de Bont, he wanted a camera shake, you know, to like show weight and like craziness. It's like you're in a tornado, right? And uh, so everything is a little shaky, you know, which again, not a problem today. You go into After Effects, you hit camera track. Stuff's tracked, does it for you. Back then, all the artists had to hand track it frame by frame. Um, and all those frames start to add up, all that time starts to add up. And it's like, think about how many times you see the tornadoes too. Like, it's not used that sparingly. Like, they really pull it through and like the effects are amazing. Um, and also, there's so much stuff that's done in camera. Like, they actually drop the truck yeah. in that scene. And like so much other crazy stuff. And then you get Dusty saying when Jonas shows up late, fashionably, fashionably late again, Jonas. Fashionably late. Give me a kiss, man. <laughs> Losers, <laughs> move on. Um, Losers. So biggest meteorology thing I can drop on my knowledge on this is they literally took shelter at the worst possible place that you could do. Yeah. because um, It is sort of in the ditch, which you're told, like, get in a ditch if you're stuck in your car. It's better that they didn't stay in their car. 
because obviously the car got lifted and tossed. Yeah. But going underneath a bridge like that is exactly what you shouldn't do because the wind, there's the same amount of wind passing through the same area, but all of a sudden you have to get squeezed underneath a bridge. And so it actually channels and speeds the wind up. Yeah. So a hundred mile an hour tornado might actually be 150 miles an hour when it has to squeeze through that space. So never take shelter under an overpass, not like a wooden bridge like that either. Um, it's a fun scene. I really enjoy it. It's definitely not one of the top three tornado scenes. And I actually kind of like the upset of the gas station moving on here just because of how fun that scene is. Yeah, actually, my biggest problem with this scene, if a tornado can pick up a truck, mm-hmm. how and it's starting to rip up the floorboards. And yeah. as you said, the wind is actually stronger under there. Yeah. Zero chance of survival. Well, okay. Or, and at least you're getting picked up. Well, and here's another theme that we see throughout the movie is as soon as the tornado like actually interacts with our people, it immediately disappears. Yeah. Like this one, it picked up the truck, and before it actually crossed over the bridge that they're on, it just suddenly dissipates out of nowhere. And this happens a lot. We'll talk about these with other tornadoes too. Let's have Gas Station with a minor update there, and we'll try to speed along here so this isn't a three-hour-long podcast. Yeah. Um, so jumping backwards one scene, our 12 seed, is the Joe and Bill fight on the way to Twister 1. That goes up against our 5 seed, Twister 2, which is immediately after Twister 1 when um, Bill basically says, like, stop the car, turn left, like, just trust me. And the tornado just ends up magically moving right in the direction that they're at. Now, I broke this down for you on the whiteboard when we first started talking (laughs) about this podcast. I've thought about this a lot, that (laughs) the direction that they're traveling and they're running basically parallel to this tornado, but then they stop, they go left across the highway, and then the other team, Jonas's team, that's tracking the tornado, that's running parallel to it, it starts moving away from them. But somehow the Joe and Bill team intercepts the tornado. It would have to cross over and basically kill Jonas's team to get to them. So they didn't think that went through all the way. This tornado is an incredible... It's, it's very fun because of everything that's happening. There's some great lines. You get introduced to... Um, Melissa being a sex therapist and having that conversation in the car, the heavy rain coming in, they've got horizontal rain, hang on. (laughs) And then you've got like the twin tornadoes, like the sisters and the cow flying and the car gets spun around on the bridge. It's all incredible. A lot of it doesn't make that much sense meteorology wise, but that's fine. Uh, The Joe and Bill fights great character development, but it's not a scene that I would be like, I really want to go watch that one again. Yeah. I, uh, I got to say, I agree 100%. Uh, the five seed deserves to move on here. Um, but I got to say, the song choices in the Joe and Bill fight is so good. <laughs> like, that Deep Purple song coming on. I was, like, literally as a kid, I can still remember that. And, like, that song to me, just, it puts me in the zone. Like, I'm in a freaking thunderstorm right now. Like, there is a tornado coming every time I feel it. Because, like, I watched this kid when I, this movie when I was, like, five or whatever. So it's, like, I don't know. Th- these songs instantly take me back like so nostalgic for me but uh like you said uh twister 2 is a uh, pretty awesome freaking scene it could make a deep run we got cows well and it, the scene ends before we go to our next matchup that includes the lunch at aunt meg's yeah um with the oh food food <laughs> yeah that you can't you literally this one scene is so stacked yeah I see it making a deep run. It, it's great. Um, so we'll have that move on. Um, well, one thing that I'll mention 
right now is you can't tell how strong a tornado is just by looking at it. Constantly in this movie, they're like, on the radio, it's like, F2, maybe F3, like, no idea. You have to measure it after you see all the damage after the fact. It's not by the size of the tornado. You can't just immediately know what the wind speed of it is. You have to see how much it eats, which they mention later at Aunt Meg's house. Yeah, they're explaining what is it? it. They're explaining it, and they're saying you measure by how much it eats, how much damage it does. So, But throughout the movie, they're like, is F3? Like, when they leave Aunt Meg's house, Dusty is on the radio. is like, we got one, F3. Like, yeah. the tornado's already formed. They're 30 minutes to an hour away, which for an F3 tornado, they usually don't last that long. Um, um, there's, so there's a lot going on with that. So I definitely hate that Hollywood does this because it really does create like this narrative like every twister's a battle you know literally in the wikipedia page is there's a line that's like after the final battle and it's like i don't know a whole lot about weather but i'm pretty sure i can't go this fight a tornado yeah. and win and expect to have any out like change in the outcome mother yeah. nature wins every freaking time but uh i wanted to let this off because the exact line is actually we got in maybe an f2 f3 so maybe they're just kind of no, saying, see that's that's different. Like, that you, was yeah, I know. But can you do you look at the tornado before? Like, say you get some information, like you see the radar, you see its path, how big it is. Like, do you usually start to like take a guess? Would you, if you were in his spot, would you take a guess? Probably not. I mean, like, look, you can have a mile wide tornado that's an F one. Okay. The largest tornado on record happened in Oklahoma less than ten years ago. Yeah. It was. At its largest, two and a half miles wide, and it was measured as an F3. Okay, so this is some meteorology knowledge. Yeah, because like you obviously know all the physics. Now, there's also behind the scenes a lot of controversy on why it got measured in F3. It's because it was in the middle of nowhere and there was nothing for it to eat. Uh, There was no damage, and so that's why they measured it that. But like wind speeds were. They measured it with radar like 275 miles an hour, so it should have been an F5. (laughs) Okay, that's a story (laughs) for another day on a technical meteorology podcast that won't be named the Bracketologist. Um, so this is our 13 seed Aunt Meg's lunch versus our number four seed Twister three. Um, these scenes are back to back. Uh, Aunt Meg scenes fun, but this is an easy victory I think for Twister three. I love the explanation of the Fujita scale. I love the moment when they're like, only one of us has seen an F five, and they all like look up at Joe who's upstairs. Um, I love the story of the extreme and <laughs> chucking the beer bottle into the tornado, and that's how they met him. He's butt naked. I uh, wasn't naked. <laughs> There's a, a funny thing is uh, I had a twin, an evil twin, and I killed him. Um, so great lines, but there's, like, no action in that scene. I want to say the steaks and food looked amazing. It yeah, Indeed. Actually, the other thing um, that's really great about the ant mixing, which I, I don't want to argue it because the uh, Twister 3 is so amazing, but the uh, – atmosphere i'm sure you lived in the midwest so like man does that not take you back just the opening shots like i felt like sheesh i am in kansas midsummer it's humid and it just felt like i was there yeah like if you've lived in the midwest that it they nailed it they nailed so many things atmospherically wise and they were mostly in northern oklahoma which is very similar terrain to kansas Mm -hmm. um wakita real town yeah canton where the drive-in is later real town um it's like you, when they're naming highways and stuff, you can actually go on the map and kind of track Bob's their path, Road. sort of. Bob's, Bob's Road. Road is on there. No, I don't know. Um, so Bob's Road happens on the way to Twister 3. That's part of that scene. Um, you know, in this first round, we're really just going to talk heavily about all of these scenes, and then the later rounds will go faster because we've already broken them down in depth. Yeah. So Twister 3, 
it's fun. I love that they're going basically through crops, and then all of a sudden they pop out on the highway. Jonas's team decides not to go with them. Then they come over the hill, and this giant F3 tornado is happening. I'm not, I guess it sort of makes sense that Joe and Bill go off on their own so the rest of the team can stay back and stay safe, and they have a good view. But, like, look, tornadoes don't stay in place like that. So it's not like they're going to be able to park and drop all their equipment and just watch the thing. That's just not going to happen. So that's one issue. Uh, Two is the hail is crazy. It literally drops out of nowhere, and it looks like an ice bucket's being thrown on the ground. Yeah. Um, And then this is one thing that a little bit of a nitpick that I have. It takes Bill, like, literally five minutes to set up Dorothy at Twister 3. And then later in the movie, Joe does it in, like, ten seconds. Yeah, which um, I want to give a little defense. Uh, Bill Paxton's character was actually getting hit with real ice. It's true. So the way they made that, though, um, I know you and Rick uh, do not like the way the hill looks. Yes. But uh, the way they made it is there is a giant truck, 40,000 gallons, like creating ice and just shearing off ice. It's usually a snow machine, but they like programmed it slower and like filled it with milk. And they had to create, like, basically rig this thing up. And it's traveling in front of the camera crew truck. So. Ice truck, camera crew truck, real truck with actors in it, and probably, like, some other effect stuff in it. You know, like, every scene where you see a lot of crazy vehicle stuff, there are multiple other vehicles. And, like, it's the coordination in a lot of these scenes is insane. But, like, I love the hail scene because I found out Bill Paxton was actually getting hit with giant freaking chunks of ice. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. And I know he was for doing a sequel, and they just never did it. Um, yeah. But uh, that would have been awesome. Let's uh, – one other thing I want to point out in this – um, the tornado goes back up, and they talk about its back building. And what does that mean? So that's not a real thing. It's just fake. No. I mean, like you can get a new area of rotation, and you can have a tornado that lifts and drops again. But like, it's not really a term that's used. Yeah. There's also a term that the guy that listens, and I don't remember his name. Maybe I could like go through IMDb and figure out who it is. It's like, uh, maybe it's like Haynes or Joey, one of the guys. The guy that uh was the older guy that listened to classical music that was on the chase team. Oh yeah. He yeah. goes, it's the cone of silence. <laughs> That's not a real thing in it is in meteorology it is not to explain that the cone of silence is if a storm is moving on radar over the actual radar, Yeah. the radar beam shoots out like basically like at an angle at an equator out. So if a storm comes directly over the top of it, it can't get measured. So if you see a storm pass over a radar, there will be like a black hole rather than seeing the radar. That's the cone of silence. (laughs) Not a tornado is silent before it drops down and destroys something. So really that line would suggest that those people are more screwed than uh, Joe and Bill are. Exactly. Um, So that's just a fun little thing there. Uh, Sorry, Um, I had one note. I had another question. Is it possible to get close enough? So in that story, they mentioned that the the Bill story, Mm -hmm. um, Naked Bill, He's, it was an F2 or F3 tornado. Yeah. Is it possible to get close enough to throw a bottle into it and it picks it up, which I'm assuming is not that hard. It's like, you know, yeah. less than a pound. But it also doesn't pick up you. I would say theoretically possible if you have a gun of an arm <laughs> and you just have to be perfectly placed where you can stand parallel to the tornado and it doesn't, I mean, like, it's going to be windy. It's yeah. going to be like 50, 60 mile an hour of wind and it'll be really hard. Yeah. How did they hear what he said? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the legend of the extreme. The it's, extreme, uh, man. It's spread over time. It's crazy. Um, so you teased a little bit earlier talking about the ice, that uh, it kind of looked weird. 
And uh, Rick had some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. It's a little bit of a tease of our special guest that we're going to bring in now for a short interview who is actually in the movie Twister. Let's go to that now. It is my pleasure to bring on Rick Mitchell. He is the chief meteorologist down at NBC5 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You can catch him at 4, 5, 6, and 10 o'clock. And uh, the reason we have Rick on the podcast is Rick was in the movie Twister. So, Rick, first off, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, strange times, strange times indeed, as we're talking to you from your, your home studio where you're broadcasting the weather each <laughs> night. But it doesn't seem like too bad of a gig to be able to do it from the patio. I get to see my wife a lot more. I, I think she really digs this, and uh, I think she'll be sad when I go back to work, but I, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it, who knows? Who knows? 2020, a strange year. So let's go all the way back to the year, I guess this was probably 1995, since the movie came out in 1996, that yes. production was happening on the movie Twister. Um, for those that that don't really, really, really know this movie. These are actual cameos from actual meteorologists that were in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, Gary England, obviously a legend, um, was in the 1969 footage, and I believe later in the movie as well. Uh, your scene in particular was leading up to the drive-in tornado. So kind of yeah. tell me how you got approached to be in the movie and you know, basically how that played out. Well, I we started hearing rumors in maybe the the... the fall of 94 or the spring of 95 about this potential movie. And they were rumors coming from chasers, from real chasers. And I didn't pay much attention. But at the time, at my station uh, in Oklahoma City, we had Dino Lolly, and he was an entertainment reporter. Okay, so he had a syndicated show that he filmed in our studio, and it went across the nation. So he would fly to New York, he'd fly to L.A., multiple times a week and he would interview stars and stuff so he was connected and one day he came to me and he said the oklahoma film commission has just signed off on this movie called twister about storm chasers and i thought that was pretty cool and he said they're looking for extras uh, specifically meteorologists would you be interested in something like that and i'm like yeah that's sure but i even then i didn't think much would come of it so uh, I, I don't recall how long it took before we actually heard that, oh, yeah, they're going to come and they're going to they're going to film you at the station. And I do remember it was it was probably I know it was after the Oklahoma City bombing. So it's like May of 95. And uh, they uh, came to the station and they didn't have their own cameras. They just said, listen, do cover a tornado like you would in real life and we'll take the footage from your studio cameras and so they gave me guidance and they gave me lines and so i sat down and it was either a saturday or a sunday i remember because uh, i had to join the screen actors guild and i worked for about four and a half hours and they said to me oh since you've worked four and a half hours and it's a saturday uh it's an eight hour day at double time so i was happy about that <laughs> Yeah. But it was real relaxed and it was real. It was fun. Uh, they were pretty. I remember, I think the producer, uh, I, I want to say her name is Kathleen Kennedy, uh, was there. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who very, now runs Star Wars for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And little did I know uh, that 
she was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I just remember her being there, sitting in the control room, and kind of feeding me lines like, okay, let's say the tornado is approaching Wakita or wherever. You know, how would you how would you tell your viewers that? And so then I'd do it and redo it, and it was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So they fed you lines like, obviously, like you you were talking about Canton uh with with that tornado with the drive-in so they're like all right yeah. let, let's focus on canton and let's did you like have to build graphics on site where you're like showing canton with your actual weather graphics i think if i remember correctly there are some graphics that i see in the movie i don't remember building them but i think they did want something that they could cut to you know I, instead of just me sitting in front of a monitor something like that uh but i those specific things, you know, I got cobwebs a little bit. Yeah, here. <laughs> it's, it's hard to remember all that. So let, let's jump to the movie itself and just real quick. Um, you know, I know it's probably not a movie that you're watching all the time. I know it created a, a real craze around the meteorology community because I started my freshman year at OU in 2004. Uh, and we had 175 students in that orientation class. And that program's hard. Only 37 graduated on time. Um, yeah. So... It was obviously a huge movie. It did really well. What scene jumps out to you as far as scenes that you remember, obviously, other than the one that you were in, uh, that you really enjoyed? Well, it's, you know, it's one of those movies where I haven't seen from beginning to end in a long time. It's one of those movies where I'll flip around, and if it's on, it's like, oh, where are they? Oh, okay, it's that scene, and then I'll move on. Uh, I think... You know, obviously the the the, uh, the ending with the the EF5 and and the barn being destroyed and them strapping themselves to a pipe. And when I would give a school talk, and and the kids were familiar with the movie, I would always tell them, "Hey, now kids, how do you think the the they managed to survive that? You know, and how did they not have their clothes ripped off and things of that nature? Um, you know, I I think it was total Hollywood. It was suspend your meteorological knowledge and just have fun. And, and that's what I did. I mean, there's a couple of uh, scenes at the beginning uh, where there, are, I, I think there was a, we a National Weather Service and, you know, there's all this kind of fake drama like, oh, you know, Ben, come over here and look at this. Oh, my gosh, I've never seen anything like that. You know, you know, as a meteorologist, it doesn't necessarily work that way. But it, that in itself was fun and entertaining to me. You mean the, the cap breaking and lifted indices at minus six to minus 10 at six o'clock in the yeah. morning is uh, maybe maybe a little off on the normal outbreak. Yeah, they would show uh, they would show a next red radar image that had no uh, uh, echoes on it whatsoever. It was yeah. just the velocity. And, and, you know, it's like, well, that's not showing anything. But exactly. nobody knows that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that kind of leads into my last question, which is uh, actually I've got two more questions. Uh, what what sticks out in your mind out of everything that you kind of talked about, or something else that in the movie was just like, man, that was so wrong meteorology wise. Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't want to be unfair to the movie, but <laughs> you know when I see the, the scenes with the hail, with hail, I mean it literally looks like they went and bought a bunch of bags of of ice and just started dro dropping it. Um, but, you know, in the in the context of what they were trying to get done, and they actually had uh, Vince Miller, who was who was the chief meteorologist that I replaced in Oklahoma City, and he also, also worked at the Weather Channel. He was an advisor. He's a very, very intelligent man, and I'm sure he was trying to give them the best guidance he could. But it's, 
it's still Hollywood. But yeah, the hail, um, you know, cows flying around. I, you know, <laughs> it's it's a fun movie, and it's it's been it's become a part of my life. I yeah. mean, I would have never guessed that twenty five years later, or however long it's been that I would still have people excited to see me for the first time. Like, is that you? Is that your voice I hear? So it's been fun for me. You know, what's funny is my first job in Wichita Falls, Texas, because uh, newsflash for anyone that doesn't know this, I was also a broadcast meteorologist, uh, was uh, Ken Johnson in Wichita Falls, and he was the meteorologist in the movie Borat that got punked on air. Oh. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it just follows me around, I guess. Um, so uh, last thing. Uh, I know you made so much money off this movie. <laughs> what you is the what? last? What is the last check that you got? Because I'm sure it's a comical number. Actually, I've not done poorly on this movie. I nice. mean, for having to do two hours worth of work, and and about six months later, they uh, called me again and they wanted me to do some voice work <laughs> out in L.A. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. But it was February, and what's February, Ben? It is February it's sweeps. Ratings. Yep. It's ratings, and my boss wouldn't let me go. So I had to find – we the, they, the studio found a place in Oklahoma City where I could do this voice work. And so I got paid for doing that because it was work. I still get royalty checks. Now, some of them are comical. Some of them are like $1.50. But if it's been on quite a bit, and I haven't received a check in maybe a year – then I might get one for a hundred dollars. That's so, awesome. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. That's fantastic. Well, Rick, I appreciate your time. I know, I know you're a busy guy. I mean, strange times. Who knows what your schedule is like today? But I know you've got <laughs> a newscast you probably got to prepare for uh, this evening. So thanks for your time again. Uh, this is a fun movie, obviously. Definitely a flawed movie, but a fun movie. And uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely it, fun. Good to talk about it. By the way, thanks for inviting me and, and let me be part of this. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, you, you and your family take care, and we'll talk soon. Okay, take care, bud. All right, thanks. It was awesome having him, um, getting his perspective of actually being in the movie and that he's still getting paid. Yeah, I love his awesome. $1 royalty checks. <laughs> That's fantastic. I imagine the one he gets this year is going to be a lot better because of the Netflix putting it up. Oh, man. It's yeah, Netflix bought up. the rights. Who even knows what happens there? Oh, like, yeah. I would love to touch base with them and find out uh, if he'll even – divulge that information yeah. so he was a part of our number three seed the drive-in movie theater which backs up right into what i have labeled as wakita is gone yeah. um so the same tornado passes through the drive-in and then destroys wakita and they go and save aunt mag i don't think we need to spend a lot of time on deciding that the drive-in moves on on this one but what uh stands out on those scenes to you uh so at first, um, I'll be totally honest with you. As a kid, I hated this scene, so I always skipped over it because it was You're like, scared because it was night. Yeah. Well, okay. You gotta remember, I'm watching this when I'm really young, so yeah. it's like, yeah, I got scared a lot easier. And that is just how creepy it was with the shining and the tornado oh, coming yeah. through. Which, like, as an adult now, like, obviously, you can appreciate just how amazing that was. But like, this became first, a horror movie for oh, 15 minutes, literally. And it was just that's an insane scene. But, like, as a kid, I hated it, and I was like, why is this a three-seed? This scene sucks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk way more in depth about the drive-in scene. That's going deep for sure. Um, what I did want to say, though, uh, how they get the wind created. Did you ever look that up? No. So that is a – they had two 747 uh, jet engines, 707 or 747. 
Uh, my writing is terrible. No one read my writing. <laughs> but they had two jet engines, and they were loaded onto 40-foot trucks so they could move them around and, like, have them in the driving scenes along with, like, that scene. And it's like, man, it's just another thing. They went all out for this man. movie, and it's and, so good. And it paid off because they it made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I got to shout out Wakita, too. They actually destroyed a part of Wakita. That's crazy. Yeah, but like they obviously they rebuilt it, so yeah. that was kind of part of. And the they plan. have a Twister Museum in the town of Wakita. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. If uh, go go give Wakita a shout out, and if you're passing through Oklahoma, go check out the Twister Museum. Uh, yeah. one thing I'll point out on this scene. Uh, one a couple of things. Uh, the camera guy who is uh, played by Jeremy Davies, I think his character's name is Lawrence. Uh, he goes and he hides in the car, and Joe has to go pull him out of the car. Like, oh yeah. You're part of the chase team, and you don't know that the car is literally the worst place that you could go. And then they also choose to take shelter in, like, the car repair place, and they get, like, down low. A, there's tons of objects that are terrible debris. Yeah. They do get, like, low and try to get, like, sort of below ground, but not really. And it's just a wide open space, like, almost like a gymnasium, and that's not where you want to be. I understand they had very limited options. Um and it always, I always just think of the the classical music guy with the the basically like the rim of the tire that comes and like slices his forehead, and it was just like, oh yeah, this There's crazy. No way you're walking away with like that no. light cut. My head is bleeding. No, your head is gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, but that was like one of the most violent parts of the movie. Obviously, up until yeah. we get to the F five coming up. So driving easily moves on. So oh, sorry, I gotta shout out some one liners. Yeah. Honey, your car is in a tree around the corner. Oh, oh yeah. That was Ambe. We we need to talk a little about Wakita. Um so I have this ranked so low because A, there's just really not that much action yeah, going on other than happens, other than but... saving Meg. Um the accuracy and realism is, is not bad, but the common sense of more than one person going in and like trying to get Meg out of a very unstable house and then Bill going back in for the dog, like that's hero stuff, but like Maybe not the smartest thing when the house is about to collapse. Yeah. Um, He's the extreme, baby. And it's just the only the thing that lifted the scene from being like the worst seed, in my opinion, was the importance to the plot of being at Aunt Meg's house and realizing that they needed to get Dorothy to fly by using aluminum. Yeah. Um, The the, uh, wind chimes showing. And they they made a big emphasis on that when they were first at her house. Yeah. It was Um, definitely some foreshadowing. But uh, right next to that, though, is the line, you go stop it. Go fight the, go fight it. Go fight it. Go fight the tornado. Yeah. Come on, Ameg. Not gonna happen. Come on. Um. Anyways, so let's move on to our our last first round matchup. And just so you know, um, our two scenes that got a buy were the chase on foot, and. Uh, with the F5, and then the car debris chase, where literally they drive through a house. So that's towards the end of the movie. Um, we do skip a little bit around here with the last one, which is uh, our sixth seed, Dorothy flies. So they successfully get Dorothy to go when they're in the crops and they jump out. First, our 11 seed, when Dorothy 3 fails and the 18-wheeler literally gets tossed at them and explodes, and yeah. like the tree debris knocks over Dorothy 3. So this is both at the last... These last four scenes we haven't talked about are all the last F5, which two storms merging together and forming an F5 at like 9 o'clock in the morning, not happening very often at all. Not impossible, but certainly not probable. That'd be wild. Um, typically, when you have a tornado outbreak, the worst ones happen in the late afternoon and the evening. Yeah. Um, 
So Dorothy four flying versus Dorothy three failing. Um, their common sense of like not driving far enough away to like watch this thing. It's just really dumb. Uh, so Dorothy three failing. That's why I have it ranked a little bit lower, even though the 18 wheeler and the, what is that? Yeah. What is that is incredible. Um, it's, it's fine. It's, it's just not one of the best scenes. No, I, I instantly give this to uh, number six seed for sure. Um, Though uh, I would say that there is some things in this movie that I couldn't find any evidence for beyond that. Uh, so during while they were filming this, they were filming this whole movie during tornado season. And they actually had real tornadoes and insane weather conditions throughout the entirety of filming. Well, not only that, they were filming this kind of parallel along with a giant tornado research project, yeah. project called Vortex. Um and they had instruments much like Dorothy, one called Toto. So it was actually based <laughs> off of a real thing. Yeah. And so like, you know, Dorothy, Toto, you get it. Um, so like they had consultants on the movie that were like involved in that project. So they were trying to be as accurate. And there were a lot of things. A lot of the terminology they use is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Dorothy, Dorothy flying and driving the truck into the tornado. I don't know how much common sense that is to leave yourself on foot at an F5 tornado with no way to get out. Oh, it's terrible. Not great. No. Um, but, uh, one would... other fun fact. I just want to throw this out, and then yeah. I'll let you go off. Corn in the month of May oh. or during storm season. What is going on? Um, so they plant corn, like, around March, April. Yeah. It's barely out of the ground in May and June because the old, uh, you know, little wives' tale or whatever they say, the actual quote is knee-high by July because <laughs> the corn crops are about knee-high in yeah. July, and we are not in July. In this time of year, it's probably May. So they def they filmed this in the in the fall, by the way, that yeah. that scene specifically. Yeah. And like there was some other time things because like it was pitch black out at uh, Aunt Meg's house and the scene right before that. And they say go. So it's like, well, how did we teleport time so fast? Yeah, it, was like, like, it was kind of the same tornado. OK, well, if you want to have a little tangent about time in general, in oh, this everything movie, it's all over. the place. I mean, they, they track five tornadoes over the course of a 24 hour period. Plus, yeah. a lot of the tornadoes are in the morning. It made sense that the weaker tornadoes on day one were in the morning, but now we have our strongest tornado the next morning. Um, yeah. Lot, lots of stuff going on. Like, they literally saw two tornadoes and had lunch before they saw Twister number three, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, which, again, going back to it, I think part of that might have been story, and also another part of it was, like, well, you had to film what you could film. At yeah. a lot of times, it was going to be bad weather, so. Why couldn't why couldn't have uh, Bill said, instead of you've got one day with, with Dorothy, why can't he have been like, You've got the weekend. We've got three <laughs> days, and then it'll be like every afternoon, and then we could have I don't know. Yeah, but, what? Look, the movie's perfect. The movie's perfect. There's no problems with this movie. Um, okay, so Dorothy four flying, Dorothy three failing. Any thoughts before we send off Dorothy three failing with the eighteen wheeler exploding that you have? Uh, that was a real truck exploding, I and uh, the figured. first time they did it, the cameras were not rolling. Oh no! So they had to refilm it again, and it rumored the only number I saw, uh, which maybe there's more research I could have done. 500 grand wow. for the second shot. Wow. Uh, in the behind the scenes, though, they play it off like, yeah, we just wanted to film it again. Sure. <laughs> the effects guys were like, hell yeah, we got to do this twice. Okay. Um, we'll talk about the end of the movie as we get through this Elite Eight round, which is now our number one overall seed, which is the chase on foot, literally the last like five minutes of the movie, mm -hmm. versus our eight seed, Meet the Crew, our five seed, Twister 2, versus our four seed, Twister 3. Then our number two seed we haven't talked about yet, that's the car debris chase where literally like things are dropping out of the sky like tractors and houses and they're driving. 
versus our 10 seed, the gas station. And our six seed, Dorothy, four flies at the last tornado versus our three seed, the drive-in. Um, so let's let's get to the end of the movie and let's just kind of talk about that in a chunk here with, let's start with our two seed versus our 10 seed. So that is the car debris chase versus the gas station. We've talked in depth about the gas station already. Moments with the car debris chase. I mean, obviously this is some ridiculous stuff when it's like, Dusty, Dusty, we've got debris. And he's like, debris? Like, we literally have, like, vehicles dropping in front of them. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a blooper in there where, like, the window get the windshield gets shattered. But then, like, two, like, like 20 seconds later, the windshield's completely intact. Um, so there's some chronological issues there. Um, I don't know if a car could physically drive through a house like that and, and make it through. It feels oh, I unlikely. Uh Actually, the way they filmed that scene is so cool. All so, right, tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Another VFX breakdown referencing the Corridor Digital video. Uh, so they met, they knew the guy that did this effect, and he spent six months doing less than 30 frames. Okay, so he had to digitally recreate the truck. It's the There's like four shots. So there's the like three shots really quick of the car going into the house, mm -hmm. and then it's when it comes out. Uh, and if you look at the one coming out, like the window effects are kind of crappy, but again 90s and you don't notice it if you're watching in real time but like it's just literally the truck going into the house everything had to be done frame by frame every object on that house is fake that kind of stuff is so painful to do back then um and then once the truck gets in the house what they actually did was create a ramped version of the house that like went around mm -hmm. and they actually had the real truck go through it That's and cool. honestly when i looked at it i thought it was a miniature or something but yeah. One more way this video, this movie just goes all out, man. They dialed it up to eleven for sure. Yeah, I think we're going in. Um, part of this scene is also Jonas and his team dying. Oh yeah, um, because this happens right, like literally, they see him die, and then like all the debris starts like falling right around them. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's it's that's a pretty clear victory, and we can talk a little bit more about that scene as that passes the gas station there. So Definitely. car debris chase makes it into our final four. Um, so we'll jump over to our number one overall seed, the chase on foot at the end. So basically after Dorothy four flies and the tornado starts turning and now they're on foot and they are screwed. Yeah. Uh, so look, it's the best action scene. There's definitely some lacking of common sense that they left themselves vehicleless and just some of the meteorology stuff here. Like if you're literally having fence posts getting pulled up right next to you and getting flung at 150 miles an hour, you're probably yeah. not running and walking. Which uh, the way they did that, another effects crew thing, two months to build the rig. Uh, so those were all shot up by like compressed air. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So that's, that's a real effect. They were actually running past these things as they're shooting up. Dude, like, special effects were so much better before all the CGI. Oh my God, when you had to do it in camera and like you did it well, everything looks a million times better. Like I bet those actors were freaking the heck out, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like, okay, I need some meteorology knowledge okay. here because I have a question. Uh, you've talked a lot about how you can walk parallel to a tornado and maybe you'd be a lot more safe but if it's chasing you basically you're in front of it you're not outrunning like the i mean slowest, there's no way you outrun it yeah the slowest tornado i ever chased because i was a storm chaser um i had a tornado that moved 25 miles over three hours it was almost at a crawl it was still moving seven to eight miles an hour which is like way faster than what the normal person can 
can run. I mean, seven. I mean, I know a person can run like in sprint for a little while, at, like yeah. fifteen miles an hour. But well, like, if, if you're going ten miles an hour, you're running a six minute mile. Yeah. So and the, that's a pretty fast. Mile. I I see Joe. I see Bill. They're not running no six minute mile. So like, yeah. maybe they can sprint for like one thirty second burst and outrun that thing. No way. Yeah. Well, maybe if it's not like a huge tornado. Do a little veer off to the side. Obviously, yeah. this is Hollywood. We're running straight. We're, it's a mile wide. It was quoted. Strategy. This is about a mile wide. Yeah. So, like, you're not getting around it. No. But, like, how uh, close can you be in front of the path of the tornado before it actually might get you, I guess, is my question. So, like, here's the thing is that the actual area of rotation might be a little bit more compact because you're seeing the debris that's getting wrapped around and, like, yeah. the clouds and the dirt. So, like... You could technically be pretty close. That could be, like, the actual boundary of where, like, winds are more than, like, 50 miles an hour. But, like, mm-hmm. you're going to get debris flung at you. Like, it's it's the story's over. You're not outrunning it because you're going to get hit by something with yeah. that strong of a tornado. Oh, yeah. So if it's got 300-mile-an-hour winds, how fast would it, like, just a guess, how fast could the directional velocity have been? I mean... Yeah, I mean, it could. I've seen tornadoes move 60, 70 miles an hour uh, yeah, they're screwed. at ground speed. They're just dead. So, I mean, look, even if you said it was the slowest moving tornado, they wouldn't be able to outrun it for very long, and they're probably getting hit by debris. Like, they look, debris got flung at them, and they barely avoided the giant... Uh, oh, yeah, the wheat. cow feeder? Yeah, the cow feeder. Like, come on. Oh, and, yeah, and the wheat harvester yeah. from a combine. Exactly. Um which sometimes I have to watch that scene over, and I was like, was that the same exact thing that just flew over them twice? Yeah. Um, I definitely want to give this to Chase on. No, 100%. Obviously. I want to keep talking about it, too. But let's let's go ahead and move on to – we've got two more Elite Eight matchups. Yeah. Twister 2 versus Twister 3. I think we talked about this. We talked about both these in depth. Twister 2 is just a better scene, in my opinion, because you've got more comedy. You've got more going on. The cows are just an iconic – like cows. I think the screenshot like on Netflix is like literally the cow flying, I want to say. Like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic. Fun VFX factoid. That CGI cow was originally a zebra from Jumanji. It was not a real cow? No, I think what they <laughs> <laughs> No, I think they like took a cow skin and just applied it over uh, all like the zebra information. Yeah. Zebra information. Um Easy VFX. Do you really call like, it zebra, or is that just for your I think fun way? It's of the thing. It. Like I started saying it fun, and oh, no. then it's permanent now. <laughs> like I try to say it normal, and I can't. So let's have our five seed upset. Little upset there for the four seed on Twister three, and then our last matchup in the Elite Eight is uh, Dorothy four flying, which is the F five tornado at the end. So success, the end of the movie, ramped it up uh, versus the drive-in. Um, it's the drive-in, right? Uh. Yeah, drive-in. I know the drive-in is scary as a kid, but it's a, uh, it's a good, it's scene. a great scene. It I mean, is. the the image of, you know, Jack in The Shining using the axe against the door yeah. while the tornado rips up the movie screen is so perfect. I love that imagery. We didn't even talk about the build-up to that scene either because, uh, like, everything slows down, right? Like it really chill, you know. Like again, once they're again, they're getting the coffee. Atmosphere. Yeah, they're ordering coffee. They're talking about their divorce. Then they're talking about. How to make Dorothy fly? Yeah. Melissa's sitting there listening to Rick Mitchell on the TV talk about the weather, and she's just sitting there like twirling her ring, which, by the way, foreshadowing like going to get rid of that engagement ring. Yeah. Um, Joe actually signs the divorce papers. Yeah. Um, once again, if you've been to a drive-in, the atmosphere. I've yeah. Literally, like, well, they just nail the atmosphere throughout the whole movie. It yeah. just feels like, man, that takes me back. Yeah, it's um, great. I I love that scene, and honestly, um, 
it might make our championship. So here's our final four. Our one seed, the chase on foot, F5 at the very end of the movie, versus Twister 2, which is sisters and the cow flying right before they go to Aunt Meg's. Our two seed, car debris, versus our three seed, the drive-in. So three of our four seeds are in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Twister 2 is smack dab in the middle of the movie. Um, makes sense in a movie, an action movie like this, that you're going towards the climax, that the best scenes are going to be towards the end. Yeah. So Chase on Foot versus Twister 2. This this m- might be the toughest matchup that we have all day. Uh, Twister 2, man. It's just so good. Like, I, I want to fight for Twister 2 just because of the cow line. Like, my mom loves this movie, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that's the one-liner that immediately jumps through her head when she thinks about it. And it's like, God, it's just such a... We got cat. What movie do you say that in? What other movie than this one? It's also just so quirky where you've got Melissa in the back having a talk with a patient and then Bill being like, <laughs> she's a she's a sex, sex therapist. therapist. She's like, he did not marry your penis. Okay, she didn't only <laughs> marry your penis. Um, so that's fantastic. And then obviously, like, this, look, there's some meteorology weird things going on with the we see like two tornadoes and they're spinning around each other. And then all of a sudden, right when it dissipates right after them, you're seeing three funnels. So yeah. it's, there's, there's some weird things going on, but the ending of that scene, which we've already talked about, it was one of the most fun parts of the movie when they're all like, just notice how close we are to Wakita. <laughs> and then food, which food. is, I can't tell you how many times food. since that movie, when we're talking about like, if we're talking about going to grub and we're talking about going to eat lunch, you're oh just like, God. is it time for food? The- Food. Food. The chemistry of the actors is so perfect. Let's Uh, do a quick breakout right now and just briefly talk about what an amazing cast this is. Oh, my God. So this has, obviously, it has Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. I got to say, I have a massive crush on Helen Hunt. uh, Definitely. In her prime. Carrie Elwes, famous from Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm -hmm. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, my God. Rest in peace. Also, but one of the best character actors of all time yeah you've got alan ruck better known as cameron from ferris bueller's day off who plays rabbit speed which uh jan Bont, the director of twister yes. directed uh jeremy davies who plays lawrence the photographer he ends up being in a lot of stuff in fact he was if you ever seen the show justified he was in season two justified and he was fantastic up actor. from saving private ryan too yeah so you've got a lot of awesome acting in this movie yeah um so the chase on foot is iconic, but there's so much wrong with it, and there's so much that pisses me off as a meteorologist. Like, you're literally not strapping yourself into a 300-mile-per-hour tornado and surviving. Yeah. I mean, there's so much great, like, theatrical experience stuff. Like, uh, the base, if you wa- saw this movie in theaters back then, this movie was uh, pretty well-known to blow out a whole bunch of speakers yeah. just because the freaking sound was so loud of their slowed-down camel growls or whatever. Yeah. It is great, like, when I think of action movies... And I think of like walking out of the theater and being like, wow, that blew me away. Because like literally there's 30 seconds to the end of this movie after yeah. the last action scene and then it's over. Like it kind of reminds me of uh, Independence Day where yeah. like everything ramps up to the bat- last battle at the end. And then like literally you just have the one moment of not knowing if they're alive and then there they are smoking their cigars and, and that's it. Maybe Independence Day is another one we do one time. Yeah. But uh, there's it's a fantastic a finish to the movie. I just... Twister 2 has some of the most iconic lines it's and imagery. It's so iconic. It's an icon living. Let's do it. Upset. Dude, upset. Let's go. Twister 2 in the championship. All right. Other semifinal is the car debris chase, the car driving through the truck, the car avoiding tractors versus the drive-in. Um, I don't know. What do you think? 
I think I want to do car debris chase. Um, we need a representative from uh, from Twister Five, huh? The F5. Yeah, like the final battle is really amazing uh, experience, and like it really puts you in what a tornado would be if you like were invincible and weighed maybe mm -hmm. ten times as much, so it didn't pick you up off the ground as much easily. Though then again, like the driving scene is really good. Oh, so dude, I'm mentally torn on this. So this is, to me, this is, car debris is a fun rewatchable scene. Maybe the most rewatchable scene in the movie, versus the drive-in, which may be pound for pound the best start to finish scene. Like cinematography, the actual acting in it, the that it just takes a darker tone compared to the rest of the movie. Like it's like we said, it's almost like a little mini horror flick going on. It might be a better scene overall, whereas the car debris scene is awesome to watch, awesome action, and I, I could turn it on and watch that. It's only like a minute, minute and a half. I could yeah. watch that over and over again. But is the driving just a better scene? Um, okay. What's here. your definition? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, okay, actually, I'm, I'm going to throw in a, a meteorology thing, that a question, actually, because yep. uh, I found this on – IMDb trivia, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a shot where she's looking at a ring, and then the TV goes to static. Yes. Old TVs used to do that around tornadoes, right? Like that is an actual truth. Sure. Okay, so this was. A I mean, you can thing. lose your like. I mean, if you have a satellite dish nowadays, you're in trouble, which is why you yeah. need more than one way to get your warning. Yeah, but in the '90s, if this was an antenna TV with the electrical storm, mm -hmm. that would probably accompany. Yeah, a it's possible. Yeah. So that blow it out. That, that's not enough to blow out car debris chase because uh, the other thing that really this scene had was uh, some additional character development. All right. So like earlier, Joe, Bill, everyone hates Jonas, right? In this scene, Joe actually tries to help Jonas out. Cause she's like, yo, Jonas, you got to get away from this thing. It's turning into you. You know, she tried to save him. Yep. And like Bill, the whole, like they both tried to save him. Like that's character development. You know, who Bill, wants to Bill, help their... Bill throws the CB radio thing yeah. in anger and is like, there's, there's nothing we could have done. Yes, there is. And then they go make Dorothy fly. <laughs> yeah, but like they literally would have set them themselves up for failure there, yeah. letting your opponent win. They probably opened up the Jonas Miller Institute for Meteorology yeah. in honor of him, to, uh, which he didn't deserve it, but that's okay. All right, our championship matchup. We've got our five seed versus our two seed. Twister 2, the sisters, Tornadoes, versus the car debris chase we just talked about. I think it's Twister 2. It's just everybody, when... If you're not a huge fan of Twister, but maybe you've seen it, you will always, always, always remember that there was a scene where a cow flew by. Yeah. It, there's a reason why it's the screenshot on Netflix. Whoever picked that obviously knew the movie really well. I also love the enjoyment. Like, the car debris chase is is scary and has a little bit of a negative connotation because they're literally fighting for their lives. Yeah. At the end of Twister 2, after the car gets spun around and Joe and Bill look at each other, and you just immediately see their connection. Not that you didn't know this was going to happen at the end of the movie anyways. Yeah. But their connection and their love for weather. And they get out of the car and they run and jump into each other's arms. And they're just so happy. They're and lit. you're just like, you're happy for them. Like, yeah. that they, they just got to experience that and they survived that. And then Melissa crawls out of the car, like, scared. <laughs> and you're just and like, like remembers, Joe oh, and Bill are meant for each other. Come yeah. on. Like, you know, I want to argue, like, man, Melissa got screwed so hard. This whole movie, she is so supportive of Bill. Like, she... She freaking goes into a tornado with him multiple times. She went with him to 
go see the team and go get the divorce paper signed yeah. when she easily could have stayed back at a hotel. Oh, yeah. And when uh, Bill and Jonas are fighting, like, she's, like, concerned. Uh, yeah. Granted, she's a therapist, but it's, like, she is literally such a supportive character. She doesn't fight with Joe. Yeah. She's very understanding. They're bo- actually, the way that Joe and Melissa don't fight all the time, this whole movie kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. Got getting a little off topic on the scene. It's a really, really but, like, tough go for <laughs> Melissa. Like, she yeah. literally got a car tossed in front of her. Well, yeah. okay, A, she's in the car when a tire blows out and they go on the side of the road. Then B, she fi- she definitely finds out that Joe's still in love with Bill. Yeah. Then she has to drive by herself following Tornado 1 and gets a truck tossed right in front of her and almost dies. Then during Tornado 2, almost dies again and gets to see Bill and Joe basically falling in love with each other again. Yeah. Then she has to go to Joe's aunt's house for lunch. <laughs> and then she's... Uh, watching back and is overhearing them basically with Bill professing her love for her. Over then, a radio, then, by the way. And then she still hasn't left Bill it's... when she could have gone back to the hotel then and then has to go through another horrifying experience at the drive-in, barely surviving, yeah. and then decides to walk away. It's really like, if we're like maybe doing our power rankings or doing a bracket of movie characters that just had a tough run in a movie, like she's up there. She's got to be top 10 easily. I mean, imagine, remember again, when she was introduced, what is happening really soon? They're getting married yes. you have already paid for that wedding by then i guarantee it and they're just trying to get a divorce from this other chick yeah and it's like oh literally three days later no it's done we're over we can't make it happen like emma and just the way she takes it is just like and I, she deserves so much better i feel bad for her um i don't know how we wrapped up this podcast talking so much about melissa out of everything and it's but, such an un like a low kind of like rememberable character yeah but it's like wow she actually has a complete arc and yeah. it's like it's really sad. It yeah. sucks. But um, I saw what you wrote. I give it to Twister 2 as well. Yeah. It, I think it was our five seed. Um, yeah. I think it didn't have as much action as some of the later scenes. Um, I mean, our one through four seeds are all from Twister 3 and on. Um, but it it was that part in the middle of the movie where, like, you're like, okay, like, we're back-to-back awesome scenes. And yeah. that scene was so good that you were okay spending 10 minutes on a down with Aunt Meg where there wasn't too much action. Oh, the pacing is amazing throughout this whole movie, too, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is this was a lot of fun. I think, you know, we had our first real, like, little drive-by cameo uh, yeah. for the drive-in movie scene with Rick Mitchell. Again, thanks, Rick, for coming on. And uh, this is a lot of fun, Dakota. I know Dude. this is a movie that we really care a lot about. Oh, I'm so glad I pitched doing this. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't done something like this yet. But uh, I it love opens it. up another avenue to maybe explore some other movies and rank the scenes within the movie. Um, Mission so, Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible definitely could be on that list. So what I'll what I'll leave you with is uh, I'll really enjoy your weather reports. <laughs> Until next time. 